Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered Streaming Live on the Black Star Network. Two new bills in Georgia could remove black Democrats from a South Georgia election board. We'll talk with Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, about this outright assault on the rights of black voters. Chicago will have a new mayor after incumbent mayor Lori Lightfoot failed to secure a second term in office. She didn't even make the runoff. We will speak to uh, one of the candidates who beat her uh, in the uh, election. That is uh, County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Also, folks, a significant shakeup could be happening at Jackson State University. Uh, uh, the state uh, board of regents, they're meeting to discuss his fate. We'll see what happens uh, after the courses. After, of course, the faculty senate had a no-confidence vote against him. Also, I'll explain why Standard General's Tegna acquisition has hit a brick wall, but also how this could be a loss for minority-owned media. We're dedicating our second hour of today's show discussing how obesity impacts communities of color. We'll be talking with a variety of medical experts about this issue that really has changed America. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Yeah. It's Uncle Roro, y'all. Yeah. 
Georgia, two new bills could remove black Democrats from a South Georgia election board. The Georgia State House introduced House Bill 422 to revise provisions for the five-person Ware County Elections Board. Right now, there are three black members. Under the new bill, four board members would be appointed by the Republican majority instead of the Republican and Democratic parties. The other four board members would choose the board's chair. Political parties can still nominate election board members, but the Ware County Commission would have final authority. The same thing is happening in majority black Macon, Bibb County with Senate Bill 227. Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, joins us right now from Atlanta. Cliff, what we're looking here is, again, we're looking at folks uh, who want to control black people. Yeah, exactly. And we're, we're seeing this in, in several county rollings. You, you mentioned Ware County. You, you mentioned uh, Macon Bibb County. Um, also in Ben Hill, Hill County, where there's a fight over who would get to pick the superintendent, the chair of the Board of Elections, which right now the, the board itself is able to pick a, a, a basically a, a bipartisan board picks a, uh, a, a chair, but now they're trying to replace that by allowing the county commission, Republican, as you can imagine, to pick who the chair would be, which essentially would control, uh, shift control of that board of elections. So we're seeing this in county after county, and this is exactly what we told people about when we warned about SB202 a couple of years ago. Tons of bad provisions in there. Yes, we know about the, the food and water. We know about the attacks on, on voting by mail. But we've said from the beginning that one of the most dangerous was the way that it would pay, open up the path to do all these takeovers of these board of elections. As we know, uh, who controls these boards gets to cert control who certifies actual elections. And you don't have to do that in every county. You don't have to take over all 159 counties in, in Georgia. If you take over specific counties, right, targeted counties, Fulton County, which they've also been targeting, or some other uh, majority black um, counties, all you have to do is take over just enough in just the right places, especially some that might go under the radar. They tried to do Fulton, but they, you know, they started to catch some smoke and it caused too much attention. So then what do you do? You try to go after some lesser known counties, but those counties add up. We've seen, especially when we're talking about elections with razor thin margins. Uh, I mean, absolutely right. And, and I remember, so it was a young brother who I had on, he was from Albany. Uh, we were duking it out on social media uh, because he was supporting the Georgia voter suppression bill. He came on the show, changed his tune, talking about his all-black boys' school. So all these fools being hitting me, man, you dogging that brother out. I said, but it's amazing. Y'all were silent as to why he was on. And I said, that's why he was actually booked on the show. And they, they got all caught up in black empowerment. I said, listen, the brother was supporting what Republicans were doing. And they were like, well, are you saying we can't get voter ID? I said, I keep trying to explain to y'all, this thing ain't just about voter ID. This thing is broader and deeper, and too many Negroes kept falling for the okey-doke thinking these bills were just about voter ID. And this isn't old news, right? We're talking about things that are left over from SB202. They've now got a new version, a worse version. We call SB202 Jim Crow 2.0. And well, now they got Jim Crow 2.2 or 2.4 or 2.5. They've got another omnibus bill, uh, which has a range of provisions, including they already attacked drop boxes with SB202. They are now trying to outright ban drop boxes, right, completely. Uh, it's got other things in there, like making it easier for these blanket challenges. We know the way that, that these racists have been going around just challenging black voters and trying to get them off the list. It makes it easier for people to do blanket purges. It lowers the burden of proof that they would need. Targeting black people. 
all targeting black They're people. They're targeting all about black people black. in Georgia. And I keep trying to explain to folks, they are pissed that Biden and Harris won by Georgia, won by 12,000 votes in Georgia. They are trying to lay the groundwork to steal Georgia in 2024. That's right. And, and, and it's happening here. And this is being talked about. It's being discussed right now. So we need people all across the country to, to get involved. You can go to our social media, go to our website to see how you can get involved, make phone calls, send emails, raise awareness, because we, we still need people to be involved in, in Georgia. We still need the battle for, for federal voting rights legislation, right? Just because we got a Congress that we know is Republican-controlled and they don't want voting rights doesn't mean that we can't continue to push the issue the same way that they did whatever, 60, 80, 100 votes to try to get rid of Obamacare. We ought to have something for voting rights in Congress every week, even if they're just going to vote it down. We've got to force them to expose themselves and keep the issue on the table. And we need uh, federal action at the executive level. There's a report that's coming out that we're co-signers on. Uh, Demos and ACLU have done a great job of, of looking at at the executive order on voter access and what has that implementation looked like? What else can be done? That executive order was announced, as you know, Roland, two years ago, almost to the day, it was on the commemoration of Bloody Sunday that it was announced two years ago by the president. Two years later, we need to take a hard look at that and see where are we at on actual implementation? What more can we do at the executive level? What more can we fight for and keep on the table in terms of federal legislation? And what more can we do fighting this battle in these states where they're trying to push back, where they're trying to pass more voter suppression. And lastly, we need states like Michigan and Pennsylvania that have Democratic trifectas or Democratic control or Democratic governors. They need to lead the way in showing a more um, progressive, radical, expansive, inclusive vision of what not just fighting voter suppression looks like, what does it look like to actually expand access, right? What does that discussion look like? We need some the states where we have power to use that power in order to push that agenda. Uh, for everybody who's watching, understand uh, they have a very clear goal. They want to nullify as many black votes as possible. And, and Cliff, yeah. reiterate what people don't understand. They want to expand the ability for these folks to challenge voters, blocks of voters, because they want to be able, they know if they can knock 20, 30, 50, 70, 80,000 people off the roads, they're mostly African-American, they know that's going to make it far easier for them to win. That's right. They're challenging black voters. They're doing it, and it's, they're doing it on a blanket. It's not even one by one. They're challenging black voters on blanket. It's actually it's a it's a throwback to to Jim Crow and in the '60s and and when they would you'd have to you know there were places where you used to have to have a white person vouch for you. You know this, Roland. You, even even if you went through jumped all the hoops of going through voter registration and counting the jelly beans and paying the poll tax, you'd have to have a white person vouch for you. This is like the flip side of the coin on that, where basically any white person can come in and challenge you and get you off the rolls. Indeed, uh, Cliff Albright, uh, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Let's keep the fight up. Thank you, Roland. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Got to go to break. We come back. We'll chat about this with my panel about this. We'll also talk about uh, this uh, Standard General deal buying Tegna, the second largest uh, TV group in the country. The FCC is saying, uh, basically, let's put it on the shelf. But this is a Korean-American who's trying to buy it, who's also partnering with other black media. Why is the FCC doing it? And why we should be demanding more of them when it comes to minority ownership of mass media. We'll discuss that in other news as well. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. 
lot of these corporations or people that are running stuff push black people if they're doing a certain thing. What that does is it creates a butterfly effect of any young kid who, you know, wants to leave any situation they're in, and the only people they see are people that are doing this, so I gotta be a gangster, I gotta shoot, I gotta sell, I gotta do this in order to do it. And it just becomes a cycle, but when someone comes around and is making other, oh, we don't, you know, they don't wanna push it or put money into it, so. That's definitely something I'm trying to fix too, is just show there's other avenues. You don't gotta be a rapper, you don't gotta be a ball player. You can be a country singer, you can be an opera singer, you can be a damn whatever, you know? Showing the, the different avenues, and that is possible, and it's hard for people to realize it's possible until someone does it. impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punches! I'm real um, revolutionary right now. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, there's a difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? This is Diala Riddle. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, my panel, Reese Colbert, host of the Reese Colbert Show on Sirius XM Radio, Dr. Greg Carr, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University, host of the Black Table on the Black Star Network, Dr. Tanya Washington Hicks, professor, Georgia State University, College of Law. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, Tanya, you're there in Georgia. I'll start with you. Um, it, we keep warning people, black folks, pay attention. These folks uh, are not happy that they're not satisfied that Brian Kemp was reelected. They're not satisfied Republicans swept all the offices in Georgia. They want to cement power in everything they're doing now. They're pissed that Warnock won re-election, and they want to take back Georgia for Republicans next year. Absolutely. And my family is actually from Waycross, Ware County, um, which is kind of the initial subject of what I think you have rightfully described as a campaign to nullify enough black votes so that they can control um, political power at the state and federal level. And if black folks don't believe that, that uh, elections have consequences, this is exhibit A. Uh, that illustrates that they do, because they control the ability to establish the rules, and the rules are consistently created in a way that disenfranchises people that they don't consider citizens. Uh, absolutely. And, 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 and again, Reese, people have to understand, Republicans, where they have power, 
Well, they control the House and the Senate and the governor's mansion. Hey, they, they run on the table. Cliff's whole point, Democrats, where you control of the government, strengthen the voting laws. Absolutely. I think you can't take for granted that when uh, you have the power, that you'll always have the power. Republicans definitely do not do that. They play for keeps. They rig the game so they can stay in power. And Democrats sometimes tend to put things like voting rights on the back burner. So I agree with what Cliff Albright said. Get those uh, trifectas in Democratic states to enshrine voting rights protections. If you can get the, get the stuff in the Constitution, even better. But I hope that Black people are watching and realizing in states like Georgia and in states like Tennessee, where you have, or Mississippi, actually, I'm, uh, so that's what I'm thinking about, where you have Tate Reeves on the ballot for his gubernatorial election. Vote them out. Don't continue to let them... Uh, enjoy this this complete control of your state government, if you can. Um, I, I just don't really understand people, uh, Greg, not realize what is going on. We keep, we keep warning folks. So, you know, and I, look, I, I made it clear, uh, I made it clear uh, in my book, White Fear, what they're doing. I mean, this is power. This is, this is power. This is control, you know, and folks are just, eh, okay, fine, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm not worried about voting. That has an impact on me. Oh, trust me, it does. It absolutely does, Roland. And, you know, a lot of our people, particularly younger people, and this is not a blame them at all. I mean, navigating the world today is increasingly difficult. Just don't have uh, a sense of memory. They haven't read White Fear. They don't. They don't know what has happened. And in some ways, this really this action of the white nationalists in Georgia and and similar actions, as Reese says in Mississippi, uh, in Tennessee, this is actually perhaps a good thing, because that you know every generation has to face its challenge. And when I say it's a good thing, uh, we saw voter turnout drop in Georgia in the election and the runoff election. In fact, Senator Warnock would not have needed a runoff. He, he lost, uh, he, he, was, he was like 43, almost 44,000 votes short of not having to have a runoff. And we saw that voter participation uh, shrank by about 267,000 in Georgia. Of that, two thirds of that was black people. Well, you know, the gap between white voters and black voters in Georgia in the, in the election of 2022 was about 8.6% higher than it was in 2018. And, the, and, and that's double from 2014. It's the biggest gap in a decade. Why am I saying all that as a prelude to what you and Cliff were talking about? Here's the solution. Mass action. If you register to vote and go out and vote, yeah, they're going to try to knock you off the roll. But if we simply go, the demographics aren't in their favor. If we organize and overwhelm. But for a lot of people finally who say, well, it doesn't matter. Guess what? These white nationalists are increasingly hard. They're becoming increasingly harder to ignore. They're damn near the Klan now. They're going back to the Lester Maddox days where you're walking around Georgia with a two-by-four. But guess what? What that can do is energize black people. If you go out and register to vote and vote, they can try to knock off as many as they want. You will simply break their political backs. It's time to stop playing footsie with them, and they keep taking away our places to hide. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. And I just keep, this is what, this is what drives me crazy, Tanya. I get, I, I get these simple Simon Negroes who love to hop in the chat section, who love to hop on my Instagram, who love to hop on Twitter. Uh, Rolly, you, you just sitting here, you on the Democratic plantation, you trying to get us to vote for these Democrats. This is very simple. And for all the people out there who don't know what simple math looks like, let me help y'all out, okay? And you don't have to count higher than two to understand the lesson I'm about to give. There are two political parties. Oh, yes, there's the Green Party, there's the Libertarian Party, uh, that's the working class party. It's a whole bunch of different parties in New York State. But the reality is there are two parties. There are two. Now, I have never, you have never heard me say, oh, just vote blindly. Don't ask questions. Don't make demands. Uh, don't, after the election is over, You've never heard me say, don't go to city hall. Don't go to county government. Don't go to the state government. Don't go to county. You ain't never heard me say that. But what I can say, Tanya, is that somebody gonna win. Yes. Somebody yeah. is going to win. Now, if somebody's going to win, I'm probably gonna start with which of the two individuals, because let's be clear, there are some trifling, and I will say this, there are some trifling Democrats, and there are some Republicans, depending upon where they are running, where they actually have offered substantive things that could appeal to black people. Mm -hmm. I ain't got a problem saying that. But let's be clear. In about 97.5% of the cases, 98 maybe, you are going to have a Republican 
that is against a significant number of things that black people care about. Now, there are going to be those black people who choose their own personal pocketbook over the collective. There are going to be those individuals who only care about themselves. That's fine. Got it? They exist. But what I'm talking about is when I'm looking at who is supporting getting rid of ballot drop boxes, who's supportive supporting closing down uh, election locations, who's supporting get rid of voting locations on college campuses, who those issues is likely going to be Republicans voting for, Democrats voting against. So for me, this ain't hard to say who I don't want in office compared to who I do want in office. Absolutely. And given the persistence and the amount of energy and thought and time that has been given to keeping us from voting, we know that it matters. We know that it scares them. We know that it is a threat to white supremacy. And so we need to take it seriously. And what you've spoken to, Roland, that I think is really important, is just being an engaged citizen. Voting is just one part of it. Once these people get into office, we need to hold them to account and, and establish the quid pro quo. A vote for me is a transaction. I give you my vote. You give me something that serves the, my interests and the interests of my community. That's it. Why not engage in the transaction? And, 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 and let me be real clear, again, to the people out there who are utterly confused about what is going on and what we're seeing in the politics that are at play. The people who are Republican, who do they vote against for the Supreme Court? The black woman? Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Who fought Kristen Clark when she had her committee hearings for to lead the Department of Justice and Rights Division? Republicans. Who gave Linda Thomas-Greenfield hail when she went up for the United Nations? Republicans. Who believes that Biden has appointed too many black women and black people to be federal judges? Republicans. Who keeps attacking anything that's dealing with, quote, woke? Republicans. And so I'm... Oh, and by the way, um, uh, Reese, when black people sat on their asses in South Carolina and Moms for Liberty, a far-right-wing nut group, took over 10 of the 14 largest school boards in South Carolina and then started firing principals and superintendents, who did they vote for? Republicans. Right. So black folks understand we can sit our asses at home, but the other side, they are executing their playbook every day. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Even if we don't convert one person to the Democratic Party. I don't even have to tell you, go register to vote for Democrat. I don't even need to tell you to register to vote. If we just exercise the capacity of the people who have already determined that they want to register as Democrats, if just the people on the voter rolls as Democrats voted, 
it would be a whole different ballgame. You'd have a Stacey Abrams as the governor there. You would not have had a runoff for Raphael Warnock. You would have a Beto over an Abbott. You would have... Uh, I mean, you may not have been a Chris fan, but, a, you know, a Charlie Chris over a Ron DeSantis, who is a complete fascist autocrat right now in, um, in, in, in Florida, in Mississippi. Like I said, Tate Reeves is up for election. There are more eligible Black voters, over 700,000 eligible Black voters in the state of Mississippi. He won his election with a margin of 50,000 votes last time, and that was 400-something thousand votes. So if every eligible Black voter in Mississippi actually voted, you would never have a Tate Reeves as governor in that state to take away power from a Black city, to deny infrastructure money to fix the water in a Black city. So we just need to, if we do nothing else, exercise the capacity of the people who are already registered. It's a bonus if people get registered. It's a bonus if we get the people off the sidelines that are completely checked out. Just the people who've already done the work, you ain't got to do nothing extra because you already did the work of registering. Just those people turn out. And the one thing I will add to what you, your list, Roland, is Republicans not only voted against, but you had J.D. Vance, you had uh, Marco Rubio, you had a number of Republicans who campaigned against capping insulin prices. $35 is what the Democrats capped insulin prices. They could only do it for Medicare because the Republicans blocked it for the entire country. And this week, as a result of the, de the Democratic action on lowering insulin prices, you had a manufacturer decide to cut the prices by 70%. Imagine what would happen if we had that de that larger Democratic Senate, if we kept the House, how many more changes we could have made for the better of our own people, because we disproportionately have diabetes. So there are tangible things and there are moral reasons to just exercise your vote. And you do the math on which party makes sense for you. I don't think it's even close. Absolutely. Folks, coming up next, one of the candidates running for in the runoff for Chicago will join us next. Also, we'll talk about Standard General and their uh, Tegna deal. It's, could it be dead by the FCC, but could it also kill opportunities for minority-owned media? I will explain. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. YouTube, folks, hit the like button, the share button. The same as on Facebook. Uh, on the app, do the exact same thing. Download our app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Don't forget, we also, you now can see our show on Amazon News. When you click Amazon Fire, turn on the Amazon News. And if you've got Alexa, simply tell Alexa, Alexa, play the Black Star Network. You hit the audio as well. Uh, we got some great announcements coming up about some more, more platforms we've been launching on. I told you, we're building and growing. And shout out to one of my viewers, sent me a $1,000 check. This is what they wrote. I like your righteous views. Keep speaking out. Just sign M-O. M-O, thanks for the $1,000 check. And don't forget, you can also, your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do, folks, and see your check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zale. Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
next on the black are you still searching for your perfect place to call home well now is the time to buy at fisher homes if you're looking to move in before the end of 2024 may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end if you're hoping to move in even sooner fisher homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you where you can start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Table with me. Greg Carr. We featured the brand new work of Professor Angie Porter, which, simply put, is a revolutionary reframing of the African experience in this country. It's the one legal article everyone, and I mean everyone, should read. Professor Porter and Dr. Valethea Watkins, our legal roundtable team, join us to explore the paper that I guarantee is going to prompt a major aha moment in our culture. You crystallize it by saying, who are we to other people? Who are African people to others? Governance is our thing. Who are we to each other? The structures we create for ourselves, how we order the universe as African people. That's next on The Black Table, here on The Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packard. Hello, I'm Bishop T.D. Jake. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Rolling Martin Unfiltered. (laughs) 
All right, folks, there's going to be a new mayor in Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot lost uh, her bid to get to the runoff. She will be, she lost to uh, a couple of folks, one of them a former superintendent of the schools there, uh, Paul Vallis. She also lost to uh, County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Uh, and now it's going to be the runoff on April 4th between Vallis and Brandon Johnson. And one of them joins us right now. It is Brandon. Brandon, glad to have you here in Roland Martin Filter. Hey, thank you, uh, Roland. It's good to be on Filter. Appreciate it. All right, so let's get right to it. Folks uh, are looking at now both of your records. Many say you have the momentum. Even though Vallis got 34% uh, in, in the election, uh, you got 20. Now it's a whole new restart. You've got uh, SEIU and other unions behind you, uh, Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, but uh, it's going to take money. It's going to take a ground game. And so uh, what, what is your vision for the future of Chicago? Yeah, well, thanks again. It's a very exciting moment in the city of Chicago. Um, uh, our candidacy started off um, a couple of months ago with uh, grassroots support and labor support, uh, folks in the faith community, independent political organizations, and people didn't give us a chance. And But yet here we are. And we built a multicultural, multi-generational movement um, that has propelled us into a moment where we can make history, um, electing a teacher, someone who comes from the working class uh, to the fifth floor. It's just a remarkable moment to be in. And I'm grateful um, that the people of the city of Chicago want a better, stronger, safer city. And, you know, that's the bottom line. Um, we're rolling my vision for the city of Chicago, you know, really reflects the best part of, of our overall collective movement. Um, I started off as a public school teacher just over 15 years ago, teaching middle school um, in Cabrini-Green. And I know your viewers, I know you uh, know the history of Cabrini Green USA because it really captures the essence of the city of Chicago. Uh, my students woke up every day looking out their back windows. They could see, uh, touch, you know, walk to one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the entire city. And out of their front windows, there were bulldozers staring them down, preparing to destroy their public housing. And that is really um, the impetus behind my run. Uh, because families wake up every single morning in Chicago and around the country chasing down an economy that's behind them while everything in front of them is crumbling. And so my vision is to disrupt, dismantle this tale of two cities um, and usher in a better, stronger, safer Chicago, one story, one Chicago, where uh, public education is a guaranteed right, access to health care, reliable transportation, affordable housing, um, of course, environmental justice and good paying jobs. Um, that's something that I ran on as a Cook County Commissioner. It's what I fought for as an organizer, and it's what I'm going to do um, as the mayor of the city of Chicago. Actually, crime is a big issue folks are talking about, but what you've tried to do is expand this thing beyond that. You've got uh, your opponent, Paul Ballas, being supported by the Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, and the thing that I keep trying to explain to people that you cannot address crime if you're not addressing poverty, if you're not addressing economic disparity, if you're not addressing uh, illiteracy. Uh, and too often we have a one-dimension di one view of how to address crime in this country. How are you going to, though, convince voters that they have to look at the crime issue in a holistic way as opposed to where your opponent is like, hey, just unleash the cops in these areas? Yeah, and he's being dishonest about that, right? Everywhere Paul Vallis has been in charge of finances, um, he's left a mess. Here in Chicago, um, we saw school closings, the loss of black educators. Um, we know, you know, the tragedy that occurred in New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina, again, loss of black educators. He was ran out of Philadelphia, um, you know, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Everywhere he has gone, he's left a trail of tears. And just like what you just indicated, um, I've reached um, a conclusion that the people of Chicago 
um, have reached. And if we're going to deal with public safety, um, we have to look at the immediate uh, dynamic and look at long-term solutions as well. And look, I'm, I'm on the west side of Chicago, Roland. I live in the Austin community. My wife and I, 25 years, and we're raising three little beautiful black children, 8, 10, and 15. And so we deal with public safety all the time. We've had to change a window from one of the bullets that have come through our home. Uh, we have had to cover our children countless times. So, you know, this is a serious problem. I live it every single day, like many Chicagoans. And so that's why my public safety plan, um, one of the things that we're very proud of in our public safety plan that's being embraced is that um, we're going to double the amount of young people that we hire. Um, and not just for summer jobs, but for year-round positions. There is a direct correlation between youth employment and violence reduction. We're also going to pass an ordinance called Treatment Not Trauma. And what it calls for, um, it calls for mental health um, um, clinicians to show up to uh, people's homes um, to respond to what essentially are almost 40% of the 911 calls. They're mental health crises. And a few years ago, Quantonio Legreer was having a mental health crisis. His neighbor, Betty, these are my neighbors on the west side of Chicago, she came to his defense and they're both dead because the only equipment on the scene as Quantonio was having a mental health crisis were guns. And so if we pass, when we pass um, the Treatment Not Trauma Ordinance, it's going to ultimately free up law enforcement to focus on the areas where there is more severe crime. Over 40% of the violence that takes place in the city of Chicago, Roland, it happens in 6% of the city. And you know Chicago well. Austin, where I live, the largest concentration of black folks probably anywhere in the world in one neighborhood, Inglewood, Roseland. I mean, we know where there is a greater tendency to, for violence to take place. And to your last point, these are communities that are, are poverty uh, uh, struck. And, you know, Garfield Park on the west side of Chicago has been described as a developing nation because the violence and poverty per capita reflects that. And that's why I'm committed to opening up our mental health centers. Um, look, the bottom line is, you know, we need to make sure that we're being smart about how we police in the city of Chicago and around the country. I've made a commitment to spend, to make sure that we actually implement the consent decree. Um, and we can do that with the expediency that's going to cost us roughly $50 million um, conservatively to do that. Um, and that's going to help attempt to restore the trust between, you know, our community and law enforcement, which you know has been broken down. And so uh, we're going to promote, you know, rank and file members to become detectives, um, up to 200 more. But one of the things that's most disingenuous is when you have individuals like Paul Vallis or any other politician that says they're going to hire more police officers and they throw out these numbers like 1,000 or 1,600. The truth of the matter is it takes 16, I'm sorry, it takes 18 months to become a police officer in the city of Chicago. I'd be halfway through my first term. We cannot wait two years before public safety begins to manifest. And so that's why my sweeping public safety plan, as well as my budget plan, um, gets at the root causes and it deals with the immediacy of violence in the city of Chicago because it is a serious problem and it's something that we can do. The safest cities in America, Roland, I'll say this and I'll close, have one thing in common. They invest in people. And as you know, because you are also a part of our faith tradition, uh, I was raised extra sanctified in the Church of God in Christ, but where your heart is, your treasure will be also. And so just like safe American cities do all over the country, they invest in people, and that's what I'm going to do as mayor of the city of Chicago. About two and a half minutes, I'm going to get through three questions real quick. So, um, Greg, you first. What's your question? Thank you, Roland, and thank you, uh, Brother Johnson. What is Paul Vallis's 
cap in terms of his base. I was I worked for the school of Philadelphia. We ran him the hell out of Philly, and he destroyed Thank the performance. Yep. T- tell us what is his gap because he's definitely running now to the racist right. What's his? What, can he break forty percent? And what do you need to win in terms of voter turnout? Yeah. Well, it's going it's going to take all of us, right? I'm the only candidate in the in the entire race that had double digit numbers in every geographical area. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to consolidate the black vote. Uh, but we're going to build on, you know, white liberals and progressives and, you know, black folks that are progressives, brown folks. I mean, we have a multicultural, multi-generational movement. So that's part of our pathway. But in terms of Paul Vallis, um, he certainly has fully embraced his his Republican, his Republican values. And he said it right after President Barack Obama was elected. Yeah, he became a Republican. And he said it. He identifies as a Republican. Um, you know, he's supported uh, by leaders who. Um, who were supportive of the the January 6th insurrection. I mean, this person has been very clear about so-called critical race theory. In other words, he doesn't want to have black history taught. Um, Of that uh, percentage that he received, to your point, question, uh, about 12 to 15 percent of those uh, numbers reflect the Republicans in the city of Chicago. So it's not going to be an easy fight, obviously, because there are forces in the city of Chicago, as Roland is aware of, um, that are very dynamic and unique to the city. Uh, But I'm very excited about the um, the, the the fire that our campaign has caught and, and looking forward to making history in the city of Chicago in a few weeks. Appreciate you. Reese. Commissioner Johnson, thank you. Um, you know, black uh, candidates and black electeds rarely get any grace when it comes to implementing changes after decades of harm being done to the communities. What is one specific thing that is that is solely in your power or something that's within your power if you were to be mayor that can be exercised that hasn't been done to date that will make a difference in Chicago? Yeah, we can double the- About 30 seconds for the answer. Yeah, we can double the amount of young people that we hire right away, and I'm committed to doing that. Again, there's a direct correlation between youth employment and violence reduction. Um, I passed something on the county board. It's called the Budget for Black Lives, which was really um, uh, provoked uh, by the Freedom Budget for All. And it led to some of the greatest investments that we've seen in the county government. Hundreds of millions of dollars of violence prevention. We can retire up to $1 billion of medical debt. Um, We have the largest guaranteed income program in the entire country. The vast majority of the folks who receive that are black and brown women. And so having the executive authority uh, to release funds, to hire people, to invest in people, uh, those are things that I would do on day one. And I'm looking forward uh, to setting a benchmark for the rest of the country that black leadership uh, will not just win, but we can also govern. Thank you for that question. Tanya. Thank you, bro. Yes, my question, congratulations. My question is, how are you going to get the other folks that did not make it into the runoff to endorse you so that you can have the support of their voters? Yeah, that's a good question. That is, that's what I've been doing the last two days. I've been on the phone uh, quite a bit, but I'm an organizer. You know, I started off as a public school teacher in Chicago. Um, I organized um, in, in Chicago. Uh, some of the greatest uh, uh, actions that we've done in a long time. I was a part of a hunger strike to keep the school open. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have conversations with with all of the candidates that ran. Uh, we're doing that. But we're also going to take our message right to the voters. And I feel very um, uh, confident. You know, just over the last couple of days, uh, we've had over 600 people sign up to become volunteers. And that's on top of the 300 volunteers that we had on Election Day. We had more volunteers than all of the other campaigns combined. Um, we've had over a thousand people donate and contribute, gone to our website, where we've raised almost $100,000 from individual donors. The average donor is $80. 
uh, maybe I should have gone to law school. I probably would have richer friends. Uh, but my friends are public school teachers. They're working class folks, middle class folks. And so we're building an incredible movement. We're going to take our case right to the voters, every single neighbor in the city of Chicago, because I know and I'm confident that the people are responding to our message that a better, stronger, safer Chicago um, is, is within reach. And uh, being a black person who obviously identifies through black liberation theology, a son of a pastor, uh, my grandfather was a pastor, uh, Roland, somehow, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for the legalization of marijuana. So I know my grandfather's turned over in his grave, but it's for a good cause, Grandpa. Uh, that, that's how I'm at least sleeping well at night. All right, then. Brandon, we appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Good luck. And I'm sure we'll be chatting uh, again before the runoff election. Very good. Thank you all. Good night. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. When we come back, folks, we're going to talk about Standard General, the deal to try to get by Tegna while the FCC is trying to put a nail in the coffin. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. But that could also hurt minority-owned media. I will explain next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstone Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage. 
as a backlash. This is the wrath of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Yo, what's up? This your boy, Ice Cube. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Sanders walked away from his Jonesboro, Arkansas home on February 3rd and has not been seen since. The 15-year-old is 5 feet 11 inches tall, weighs 160 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Melvin Sanders should call the Jonesboro, Arkansas Police Department at 870-935-5551. Again, the number is 870-935-5551. The Federal Communications Commission has uh, stopped hedge fund standard general's deal to buy TV station operator Tegna. Well, they actually haven't stopped it, but uh, this decision uh, to actually have this hearing could very well do so. On Friday, the FCC sent the standard general sale to an administrative law judge to hold hearings. They're going to be focusing on material concerns about how the transaction could artificially raise consumer prices, resulting in job losses. Now, Standard General uh, was set to be the first Asian-American-owned and operated major broadcast station group in America. The managing partner of Standard General is Sue Kim. He made this statement following the FCC's decision. A decision delayed is a decision denied. Our proposed uh, transaction is consistent with all FCC regulations and precedents. It is bolstered by a voluntary commitment to invest in local news, preserve newsroom jobs, and address purported concerns related to consumer pricing. But rather than rule on the transaction's merits, as the law requires, the Media Bureau is attempting to scuttle the deal by ordering a wholly unnecessary hearing process. That if, left stand, that, if left standing by the commission, would kill the deal. Now, let me unpack this here, folks. Now, many folks say that when they sit into this administrative law judge that this signals deal is going to be dead. So Standard General has been calling for the full FCC to actually hear this and vote on this. Now, you've heard me talk a lot about people of color owning media. You've heard me say that, again, how powerful media is. And so when we are able to own, then we actually can control the narrative. Same case here. Now, let me explain to you what is also going on. Uh, Sue Kim has been, uh, this is a co Korean American who has been out here talking to black-owned media about participating in this with him. This is an $8.4 billion deal, 
okay? They own numerous television stations across the country. And so he's been meeting and has had has struck deals with the National Association of Black-Owned Broadcasters. Reverend Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push is behind the deal as well, as well as several other CBC members. Well, for the last three months, Sue, Kim, and I have been talking. And so let me explain to you what will happen if this deal goes through. First and foremost, Sue has watched the show, likes the content that we do, and we have talked about, and he's agreed to, creating, first of all, placing Black Star Network content on his techno stations. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. This is the, the, many of these stations are in cities where there are significant black folks, okay? So we're talking about placing Black Star Network content on his techno stations, developing a Sunday morning show that I would be hosting that would also be focusing on the issues in these various cities. He, we've talked about, again, what I am doing with Black Star Network, making it uh, a 24-hour, seven days a week, black news and information network. He supports that. Also, looking at the other assets that he has and how we can also create content, develop content, produce content. Let me say this, folks. There is no other broadcast group from black people or white people, and I'll say this, I got no problem saying it, Byron Allen has never come to me with this kind of deal that will allow us to be able to expand. So you've heard me say that black folks need to align to join together. What I'm saying here, this is an example where African-Americans and Korean-Americans or Latinos should also be partnering. Folks, this is how we're able to grow. Here's the last point of the deal that we've talked about. What did I talk about yesterday? One of the biggest problems that we have is being able to get these ad agencies to be able to do business with African-Americans. Well, when you have the scale of a standard general and they're able to get the techno deal, they are doing millions of dollars worth of deals with the ad agencies. So guess what? Standard General would then be also selling the Black Star Network. Okay, some of y'all might say, well, I don't quite understand what's the big deal. Let me give you an example. I remember when uh, that was a uh, English, uh, English uh, network targeting Latinos, and Disney took control of it. Guess what? When Disney took ownership of it, that network, which was on like 12 or 14 million homes, all of a sudden was available in 50 million homes. Why? They harnessed the power of Disney. So what will happen is when, when Center General is going to talk to these agencies and when they're selling their portfolio of assets, we're included. I can tell you, folks, we do the that deal goes through, we will be four to five to six to ten times our current size than we are now. This is what happens when partnerships work. And again, we've had this conversation. And it's not been just a conversation. Sue Kim has made it clear. I am committed to doing this because the type of content you are doing is valuable and what you represent is also important to the public discourse. Folks, this is why the FCC should have a full hearing and hear from folks like me, not just unions or other individuals who are saying, oh, this is a bad deal, but they should be looking at 
what happens if a minority owns this station group, revenue-wise, we the second largest TV station group in the country, and how black-owned media will benefit by partnering with them. That, Greg Carr, is why I keep telling people we've got to be looking three-dimensional at these type of things and understand the ability for us to grow is when we partner and not live in these silos. Absolutely. And let me just say in 30 seconds, first of all, if you haven't seen what Roland did last night, immediately go back. I know it's gone viral, but it can't go viral enough. Please do that. That's number one. Number two, uh, we talk about elections. And again, I'm going to say this again for all the people, and you couldn't have said it better, um, Reese. Just the people who are registered, go out and vote. Why? One name, Gigi Song. If you don't know who that is, you need to look that up. Uh, he, she was renominated to serve on the FCC. She's going through hearings now. The Republicans have attacked her. Right now, there's a 2-2 deadlock on the FCC. Uh, the Democratic president, and because they held the Senate, she can be confirmed. Once she's confirmed, they got a 3-2 advantage, and this deal can go through, I suspect. I don't know, Roland. Walk us through it if that's going to make a difference. Because guess what? If you don't think voting matters, you just heard why. Because this is a blockbuster you just dropped on us right now, brother. Uh, and the, the thing here, Reese, uh, is, again, now you've got some Democrats out there that have spoken against this deal. They say we shouldn't have hedge funds, hedge funds buying this. But, but here's the whole deal. You've got white hedge funds buying stuff left and right. And you've had Sue Kim saying, hey, I'm making these commitments uh, to, to improve local news. And, of course, opposition is saying, oh, they're going to lay people off. There, there have been other hedge funds that have come in and gutted the places. But what I'm talking about here is where Kim, the managing partner, has said, I want to work with black-owned media, and I want to be able to use these assets and for them to be able to benefit from being able to own uh, these stations and having the programming that reflects the views and perspectives of a diverse audience. Right. And that's exactly why it's running up against so much opposition. As Dr. Carr pointed out, this is completely partisan with the Republicans essentially scuttling this deal. We did not see this kind of opposition from these Republicans when pro-Trump MAGA conservative Sinclair Broadcasting Group was running roughshod all over the country, expanding their reach. And so this definitely is about politics. Uh, Dr. Carr, from what I read, if Gigi Son was um, uh, confirmed, that would make a difference in terms of this deal being more likely to go through. So it's all about Republicans playing for keeps in every way, shape, or form. And a very key part of that is controlling the media. A very key part of that is ensuring that programs like Roland Martin Unfiltered and other Black programs like The Black Table with Dr. Carr do not reach the masses in the way that they could with the backing of somebody like Sue Kim. And Tanya, think about this here. The point that Reese just made, you have, you've got Sinclair Broadcasting, all of these folks who were doing these shows in these local markets during the election. Hmm, what would happen... Mm -hmm. If this deal is able to go through by the end of the year, then all of a sudden, I am doing shows on these local TV stations in 2024 discussion the election. This is what happens when yeah. you have access to it uh, while you're answering. This is a photo Kim and I took at the, at the All-Star Game in Salt Lake City, uh, folks. So uh, go yeah. right ahead, Tanya. Absolutely. I mean, they understand the consequences, but rather than make a decision on the merits, right, it's easier to, to forward it to an administrative judge. Who knows? That date has yet to be set. It could be a year from now. My understanding is the deal expires May 2023. 20, so rather than offer 
a substantive justification, you just delay. So I think Sue is absolutely right. Justice delayed in this instance is, is justice denied. Well, uh, again, folks, uh, I just want people to understand uh, that uh, Sue Kim and I have been talking for the last three months. Uh, he is committed to this. And this is what I'm talking about when we have the opportunity to be able to build and grow by partnering, there is no other, let me say it again, there is no other television group, not Sinclair, not Nexstar, not any of these groups, none of them that have ever had a conversation like this with me or any other black-owned independent media outlet when it comes to putting on our content. And so, uh, so absolutely, we hope the FCC and the commissioners uh, actually, uh, from the chairwoman on down, uh, they actually vote themselves. Don't send this to a hearing. The full FCC should be considering uh, this decision uh, because it could impact again, and it could actually advance the issue of minorities owning media outlets. And there are very few minorities in this country, people of color, black, Latino, Asian, and American, who own, uh, who own affiliate stations. And folks, when we talk about owning, we're talking about money. We're talking about building. And that's why this is important. Uh, and so uh, I, 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 I hope that this goes through and so people will be able to see what we want to do with Sue Kim and folks at Standard General if they're able to get this acquisition with Tegna. And so we're going to be talking more about this here. Uh, I got to thank Reese, Tanya, and Greg. Uh, we normally go two hours, but we're going to shorten this to hour today because coming up, thank all, all three of you, because coming up next, we're going to focus for the next hour on the issue of obesity. It is a fundamental issue in America as impacting us economically, health-wise, politically in every avenue and we'll discuss that next right here on the Black Star Network. I'm Dr. Jackie here on A Balanced Life and I've got a pop quiz for you. Who are you? Where are you? And how are you doing? These are three important questions that you should be asking yourself every day. I can't be authentic with you if I'm not being authentic with myself. I know who I am and I know whose I am. And when you know that, you're unstoppable because you're going to show up as your authentic self no matter the room that you're in. Discovering the true you and the culture around you. That's next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hatred on the streets. A horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. 
As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we've seen shock. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. A lot of these corporations or people that are running stuff push black people if they're doing a certain thing. What that does is it creates a butterfly effect of any young kid who, you know, wants to leave any situation they're in, and the only people they see are people that are doing this, so I gotta be a gangster, I gotta shoot, I gotta sell, I gotta do this in order to do it. And it just becomes a cycle, but when someone comes around and is making other, oh, we don't, you know, they don't want to push it or put money into it. So that's definitely something I'm trying to fix too, is just show there's other avenues. You don't got to be a rapper, you don't got to be a ball player. You can be a country singer, you can be an opera singer, you can be a damn whatever, you know? Showing the, the different avenues, and that is possible, and it's hard for people to realize it's possible until someone does it.
Hi, I'm Gavin Houston. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. The size of, of Americans has drastically increased over the last uh, 40 years. Uh, if you look at the impact uh, of uh, sugar, uh, how our lifestyles have changed, also when you talk about in terms of servings as well, uh, again, Americas have gotten larger. Uh, it has impacted us in a dramatic way. There are more Americans who are on various drugs in order to lose weight. You've got uh, the crash, you've got the crash diets, the fads, all those different things along those lines. You even have had generals in the United States military talk about how obesity has become a national security concern because a number of young folks simply could not qualify to even get in the military because of their weight. It has an economic impact as well. Folks are uh, dying, getting uh, much younger, getting diseases uh, as well. And so uh, what can we do? What should African-Americans be doing to confront the reality of obesity even in our community. For the next hour, we're going to talk about this here. We've got a number of experts uh, to talk about this here. Joining me right now is uh, Dr. Yolandra Hancock, a double board certified pediatrician, obesity medicine specialist, uh, also public health expert, Dr. Tiffany Bell Washington, a quadruple board certified physician specializing in obesity, lifestyle medicine, psych psychiatry, and public health, uh, will be Michelle Tedder, founder and CEO of Village Empowerment Solutions and senior program manager for Black Women's uh, Health Imperative, joins us uh, as well, uh, and also Nelson Dunlap, the Vice President for Public Policy and External Affairs in the Global Health Equity Institute at Meharry Medical College. Now, uh, I, I want to start this way, for, and let's see here um, uh, who I want to go to first. And so, uh, Yolanda, I'll, uh, I'll go to you. So we talk about obesity. First of all, let's deal with the most base level. Exactly what is it? So obesity, we define it based on body mass index. A lot of people really question whether or not we should use it as a tool, but right now that's the only thing that we have. It's really comparing weight and height. With a BMI of 25 to 29, that is the definition of overweight. With a BMI of greater, 30 or greater, that's the definition of obesity. And thankfully, over the past 10 years, we've now defined obesity as a medical condition. Initially, we thought of it as a behavioral condition, but we finally have a diagnostic code we approach it as a clinical issue. There are interventions that we can utilize in order to affect change in people's lives so that we can better manage obesity as a clinical issue as opposed to a, as opposed to a behavioral one. That, that's something that's, uh, uh, I think, different there because when we talk about uh, this, for the, for the longest, folks always kept going, oh, wait, 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 focus on weight as opposed to focusing on the mental aspect uh, of obesity. 
That's correct. Um, and there is definitely a correlation between your mental health and your obesity or your weight. Um, a lot of bias is given in terms of both of those issues. So with depression, mental health, and also with obesity, uh, there tends to be a lot of biases that prevent our people, especially from seeking help, seeking treatment, um, and being willing to get the help when we are uh, informing them that this is, in fact, a disease. Uh, when we talk about, of course, um, uh, obesity here, uh, what, what? It leads to what? Various issues, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, uh, and different, of course, diabetes. 11.3% uh, of the United States uh, living with diabetes, about 37.3 million Americans. Uh, but uh, you have a significant higher incident of African Americans with, with uh, diabetes. Why? Why is that? That is uh, a very important question. You know, it's difficult to say, especially, but we live in situations where a lot of our people are unfortunately in areas where there are not uh, access to grocery stores, safe neighborhoods where we can exercise. Um, they don't have insurance coverage to help them get preventative care. So if I realize I'm having problems with my blood sugar or diabetes or I'm, you know, sweating more, having, you know, using the bathroom more frequently, feeling thirstier, but I don't have access to a primary care doctor or insurance or my insurance does not cover those things, then you find yourself in a place where you're not really seeking care or going to the doctor until you are at very advanced stages of disease. Um, and later, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but that's when a lot of these medications come into place where we're really needing them. Um, and it would be better for a lot of our African-American populations and people to seek help in the forefront and more of the preventative side, um, more so than after the fact when you have uh, diabetes and very high um, uh, issues with needing insulin and also um, other medications. Uh, Michelle, we're going to further unpack that, but but I do want to go back uh, to uh, the uh, the mental aspect in terms of uh, what drives it. Obviously, uh, not just what we eat, but also our mental state, our surroundings, how we grew up. I mean, all these different things, but also uh, the type of activities that we that, that we uh, do as well, movement. All of these things actually matter. Absolutely. Um, it, it takes a multi-factorial um, approach to deal with obesity. I'm a living uh, witness and um, example of how you need to have access to all of the things in order to address living with obesity. And uh, what I mean by that is that I am somebody who had weight loss surgery in 2017, have lost and kept off about 80 pounds, but it, that was just the beginning. That is not the, the end all to dealing with obesity. I happen to, you know, have access to medications, to the lifestyle change programs, all of the things that it takes to maintain your health and maintain your weight uh, when you're living with the disease of obesity. Uh, Nelson, um, again, we, we talk about this subject. Uh, there's so many pieces to it. Yes, you have uh, you have the the fitness piece, the diet piece. You have the medical piece in terms of the drugs. You have the mental piece, but you got to have the public policy piece as well. Uh, and so uh, I want to touch on that one because we're going to pick up that after the break a little bit more. Uh, but 
public policy drives so much of this uh, because of the resources uh, uh, in terms of that can be given, but also how government impacts it. We, we, we talked earlier about, again, um, having uh, a major drug manufacturer announce the capping of the prices of insulin. Okay, look, when you're dealing with this, those who are in diabetes, if you're now capping it at $35 out-of-pocket cost, that impacts folks economically because you have people who are choosing between their drugs and what they eat. And so it's, I mean, this is one of those topics that is, that is, that is so, um, so multifaceted that all too often in this country, we've only dealt with it in a, in a one-dimensional way. Yeah, you're definitely correct, Roland. And, and I think that what you're talking about is really those political determinants of health. We're talking about those upstream instigators, right? We've mentioned the social determinants of health so far. We talk about the, the places where people live, play, pray, work, and the impact they have on our lives, the impact they have on our health outcomes, the impact they have on obesity rates. And what I'm saying is sometimes we have to move further upstream. We have to talk about those decisions, be them legislative, legal, administrative, policy, as you say, those decisions that were made that had these downstream effects, right? So we talk about access, we talk about the decisions to place, uh, you know, education institutions where they are, to place fresh food where it is. All of these political and social determinants of health interact with one another to really drive uh, this obesity pandemic and epidemic that we're dealing with. So you are spot on. Um, uh, we're going to go to a break in a second and we come back. Uh, I want to deal in the next segment specifically on the public policy front from a federal, state, and local level as well uh, in terms of how we should be attacking the issue of obesity, what our audience should be saying and doing when they're talking to uh, their lawmakers about the role that they can play when it comes to confronting what has really truly become a crisis in America. You're watching uh, this special on obesity right here on the Black Star Network. Uh, folks, uh, don't forget, download our app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, and Samsung Smart TV. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punches! A real um, revolutionary right now. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage. 
as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hey, I'm Dolly Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Welcome back to this Black Star Network special on the issue of obesity. Nelson, I want to start with you. And so, uh, in terms of from your perspective, what are you seeing public policy-wise as to how lawmakers uh, are dealing with this issue? Are, are, are they properly dealing with it? Are they misclassifying it? Uh, do, we not, uh, do we have enough resources that are going to the topic? Um, just share with us and give people an overview from a public policy standpoint how obesity is being dealt with by federal lawmakers. Yes, and I think you're spot on with the beginning statement when you talked about the fact that this is a public policy argument, it's a public policy concern, and honestly, a national a national security issue as well. When we talk about the fact that you know X number of our young folks won't even qualify for military service because of their weight, um, and so I say all that to say is that there's definitely more that can be done on the federal, state, and local level. Um, and just like I mentioned earlier, that gets back to those political determinants felt. There is an opportunity for our federal government to really kind of do one of two things, or two things, honestly. It's to address these political and social determinants of health, and then to also to address the issues with insurance coverage, which I'm sure we will talk about later. But there's any number of metabolic options out there that can really help with obesity as a disease. And there's coverage gaps, there's coverage holes, there's opportunities to expand that coverage and make sure that we have the care that we need it. But it all starts with us raising the alarm, speaking to these concerns and making sure that our policymakers are representative of the concerns of the issues that are plaguing our community. Uh, Yolanda, do you believe lawmakers get it and understand how significant of an issue this is? Unfortunately, I don't. I believe that a lot of times we see obesity as a behavioral issue, even though it's now classified as a medical diagnosis. I had a colleague actually say that obesity was a hand-to-mouth disease, as if it was simply what people ate and the lack of physical activity. And in my experience, both as an obesity medicine expert and in working in public health, we know that it is the social determinants that, that drive how I make choice. We're here in the District of Columbia. It's divided by eight wards in Ward 3. It's affluent, predominantly white, in Ward 7 and 8, predominantly African-American and under-resourced. In Ward 3, there are 16 grocery stores. Between Ward 7 and 8 combined, there are three. That's one grocery store for every 8,000 people in Ward 3, one grocery store for every 85,000 individuals in Ward 7 and 8. And that's not by accident. It is policy-driven food apartheid. And when people recognize how important policy is, that there is health in every single policy that's passed, and that there's potential for an obesogenic environment to be developed based on policy, once that's recognized, that's when policy will change. Unfortunately, for most elected officials and the population in general, they see obesity as a choice, that people dealing with obesity is simply because they eat too much. And most of my patients, 
it's not an issue of eating too much. If anything, they, they eat less than we would assume that they do. But it's based on the environment in which they're making food choices. It's even here in Prince George's County, where I live, 75% of our food establishments are fast food. And you're talking about a very affluent community. Again, based on zoning decisions. And so we see the impact of policy each and every day when it comes to the development or protection against obesity. Once lawmakers realize that there are mul a multitude of factors that influence food choice, physical activity, mental health, to your point, all of those influence whether or not I gain weight in combination with genetics and personal choice. Once we recognize that and we remove the stigma that's historically been associated with obesity, that's when policy will change. Tiffany, I remember when uh, Michelle Obama's Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act uh, was going through, even when it was passed. You had all of these folks on the right who were whining, complaining, oh, this is the mommy state. I mean, they were literally trying to deal with obesity, but also hungry kids. Uh, and I'm just trying to figure out when the hell did healthy eating as well as fighting obesity become a political left, right, blue, red thing? Right. Uh, that's a very interesting point that you make. And unfortunately, I would say that it absolutely should not be. Right. We all should have access, as has been mentioned, to uh, healthy foods that are affordable and that we can get easily and make it, you know, in our life. Um, I am not sure exactly why it became political, but it did. I mean, it affects us with the food choices that we make, with the access to health care, all of that. But it also affects when we actually have treatments for these diseases. So we have medications that can treat obesity. Um, but if you can't afford that medicine, we have no way to really get it to you and to help you prevent cancers and diabetes and high blood pressure and all the things that end our lives uh, very early. And so one thing I'd like to say is commercial insurances tend to follow what Medicare does. For some reason, Medicare is not covering these anti-obesity medications. Many years ago, they thought, okay, obesity was a cosmetic problem. You didn't, you know, you don't look good. You have too much fat on your body. That's the problem. The problem is not that. It's beyond that. It's a health issue. Um, so it really does need to be covered. Uh, and if Medicare covers it, usually other people follow. So I think that would give our people better access as well. Well, uh, and uh, Michelle, again, I mean, when, I, when I look at this, um, where you constantly have this, this battle, if you look at obesity numbers, aren't they worse are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Head States? They are, and and I think that that's very telling, and I, that's a great point that you bring up because you know it goes back to uh, n- not the political determinants of health, but let's just be honest, it's you know about the structural racism that exists in our country, and so I say that because you know when you don't have access to these things and you look at the policies that pre- prevent people from having those things and who's more greatly impacted, then we have our answer. So we have a lot of work. To to do around, one, I think empowering the public to understand the connection between their voice politically and putting pressure on the systems and powers that continue to oppress in this way. And I think that with that in in educating people on how to be advocates, not only for themselves, but for their communities at large, then I think we can move the needle Uh, a little uh, what about for, for any of you, anyone could chime in, uh, are we seeing on the state level or the county or the city level this uh, being addressed uh, in a positive manner? Uh, who out there is actually, you believe, who's doing a good job trying to deal with this issue for their residents? I'll jump in. I serve as the health consultant for the county council here in Prince George's County when they sit as the Board of Health. And in 2020, we passed the Prince George's County Healthy Kids Meal Bill. And what that did was compelled the 75% of the fast food establishments in Prince George's County to offer a healthy option for parents when we take our children out to eat. Prior to the passage of this legislation, It was hard to find any healthy options. I'm a mom, that's my most important job. And on occasion when I took my daughter out to eat, it was frustrating not being able to find a healthy option. The fact that we were the first in the country to pass comprehensive legislation that didn't just cover soda, didn't just cover sides, but the entire meal, we've set the tone for the state of Maryland and hopefully for the country. Anyone else? Yeah, I will say that, you know, to the point that Dr. Williamson made earlier, the federal government is leading the way on this, right? They're supposed to be leading the way on this. And if Medicare could get it right, Medicare could you know, expand coverage to cover these anti-obesity medications, a lot of other states would follow suit. Right now, I believe it's 25 states that already include anti-obesity, anti-obesity medications in their state health plans. So, I mean, the federal government's doing that. Our senators, our representatives, even those on the Hill will have access to this in their health plans. But the constituents that they represent, they might not. Some of our states, their health plans offer it, but some of their constituents won't. So again, we're seeing it at the top level, but it's just not trickling down to the point where everyone will be able to have access to it in an equitable manner. So there is opportunities. There are examples in both red and blue states. It's just a matter of us raising our voices and making sure that all of our communities have access to it. All right, mother to guess. Well, this um, fall, I had the opportunity to attend the White House Conference on Hunger, Health, and Nutrition, and that was the first time they had done that for many, many, many years. But 
and, and while I feel like obesity could have been highlighted um, a little bit more than it was, out of that gathering, it did highlight some of these things we're talking about from a political standpoint. And I, I believe from the report that there are things that are going to come down the pike to help to address some of these things at the state um, level as well. Um, the thing that, um, you know, I think one of the things you also are seeing, you're seeing uh, city leaders, mayors also uh, lead on this when it comes to uh, them encouraging healthy living. Uh, again, anyone else can jump in, but I got about a couple of minutes left in this break. What about school boards? Are we seeing any uh, school boards who uh, are saying, hey, we're not going to wait on the federal folks or the state or the city. We're going to be far more proactive when it comes to our students uh, when it comes to the issue of obesity. I'll jump in again. Here in the District of Columbia back in 2009, the D.C. City Council actually passed the D.C. Healthy Schools Act, and it addressed a variety of issues that link back to pediatric obesity. It included addressing food insecurity by providing breakfast in the classroom for all students. It really evaluated the, how healthy school lunches were and used student influence in order to determine how to sort of flip the script on the school lunch to make it healthier. They required physical activity um, measures to be, to be met. So it was very comprehensive in how they approached it, and they're continuing to show metrics demonstrating how much better children are eating in terms of increasing their fruit and vegetable intake, how much more they're engaging in physical activity, and it really set the tone and set an example for the rest of the country in how the school system, especially where children spend the majority of their time during the week, can truly affect change in how we're tackling this, this, this epidemic, particularly in the pediatric population. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Let's talk medicine, dealing with the obesity issue in America. Should kids be put on pills or taking medicine to deal with obesity. Well, that's been a hot topic over the last uh, few weeks. We'll ask our panel about that as well. You're watching the special edition of Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network on obesity in black America. Back in a moment. A lot of these corporations or people that are running stuff push black people if they're doing a certain thing. What that does is it creates a butterfly effect of any young kid who, you know, wants to leave any situation they're in, and the only people they see are people that are doing this, so I gotta be a gangster, I gotta shoot, I gotta sell, I gotta do this in order to do it. And it just becomes a cycle, but when someone comes around and is making other oh, money, we don't, you know, they don't want to push it or put money into it. So that's definitely something I'm trying to fix too, is just show there's other avenues. You don't got to be a rapper, you don't got to be a ball player. You can be a country singer, you can be an opera singer, you can be a damn whatever, you know? Showing the, the different avenues, and that is possible, and it's hard for people to realize it's possible until someone does it. On the Black Table with me, Greg Carr. We featured the brand new work of Professor Angie Porter, which, simply put, is a revolutionary reframing of the African experience in this country. It's the one legal article everyone, and I mean everyone, should read. Professor Porter and Dr. Vlethia Watkins, our legal roundtable team, join us to explore the paper that I guarantee is going to prompt a major aha moment in our culture. You crystallize it by saying, who are we to other people? Who are African people to others? 
governance is our thing. Who are we to each other? The structures we create for ourselves, how we order the universe as African people. That's next on The Black Table, here on The Black Star Network. Green. Hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Let's talk about drugs and obesity. Uh, there are a number of new drugs out that have played a huge role uh, in uh, helping people um, deal with obesity, okay? Of course, you've had the different surgeries as well. Uh, but one of the stories that I saw uh, a couple of months ago caught my attention dealt with the issue of childhood obesity and medication. And that is uh, a new guidelines were issued uh, with, by the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, where they encourage uh, young folks uh, who are dealing with obesity uh, to be medicated. Now, that caused a lot of other people to say, hey, man, what's going on? Why are we doing with this? I've had some fitness experts, some other dietitians who were on who said, no, that's the last thing that we should have happen. Uh, Michelle, again, these are uh, doctors, uh, who, who pediatricians, who say we can't wait 14.4 million young people in this country have obesity. They say it's causing too many problems like high blood pressure, diabetes and depression. Medication should be the route. What do you say? So I think that we have to keep an open mind about treating the disease of obesity just like we uh, look at other chronic diseases. We have to realize that uh, obesity is a chronic disease and it does start very young. I can tell you again, I can use myself as an example, I've struggled with weight my entire life. Uh, I do understand um, the mixed feelings about it and the hesitancy, but I think that under supervision and with um, educating parents as well as um, the clients that it is something we need to look at as a viable option to help to prevent the long-term chronic issues that are associated with obesity. Um, Yolandra, where do you come in on this? So as both a pediatrician and an obesity medicine expert, I'm full in full support of utilizing medication as part of the treatment modality for obesity. The American Academy of Pediatrics, in their updated guidelines, this is the time they've actually included obesity medications as part of their recommendations. When the initial guidance came out back in 2008, obesity medications were not included because there were none yet FDA approved. As it stands right now, there are four medications that are approved in the pediatric population. The first is metformin. And it's actually not FDA approved, but has been used over the past 10 years in terms of obesity management for children 12 and older. 
in terms of uh, other obesity medications, Fentramine is approved for children 16 and older. Orlistat is a medication that blocks fat absorption. It is approved for children as is another medication called liragutide. Now, for each of those medications, they may be approved by the FDA, but that does not necessarily mean that they're going to be covered by insurance. What the AAP listed out was a standardized way in which we approach obesity, the first being lifestyle management, where personal trainers and dietitians and nutritionists are in full support. We have to recognize that there are certain levels of obesity at which diet and exercise aren't going to be able to manage certain um, cases of obesity, and it requires treatment the same way we would for asthma, the same way we would for high blood pressure. And again, it goes back to that mindset that we believe that if we just eat less and exercise more, that that will fix it. You can't fix physiology in certain aspects of managing obesity, and that's where both medication and surgery play a key role. Uh, I want to bring in Dr. Sedrina Calder. She is uh, a board-certified preventative medicine physician uh, specializing in lifestyle medicine and obesity medicine. So, uh, Sedrina, I'll ask you, uh, when it comes to children, should we be putting them on medication to deal with obesity? So I agree with what was already said. So you really have to consider medications as an option. Medications are a great tool when it comes to weight loss. And there are so many children that are currently affected with obesity in this country. And we know, what we do know about obesity is that it leads to severe chronic diseases further down the line. So I think that it should definitely be considered. Of course, you can try lifestyle changes initially, um, but there are many situations where lifestyle changes alone will not do it. And you must consider medications as an option as well. Uh, there are a, a lot of folks out there who have been um, uh, who have been focused on uh, the new obesity drugs. Uh, many folks have actually called uh, these drugs uh, a game changer uh, because they've actually uh, impacted people uh, in a uh, in a quite a, a unique way. But Tiffany was also it's caused problems because now we have folks uh, Tiffany who are not. Uh, who are not, frankly, obese, uh, who are making a mad dash. I think I saw a story where uh, people, there was a TikTok video, and folks just all of a sudden uh, went after the drugs. They cost a significant amount of money. But again, the problem is, how do we ensure that the drugs that work are getting to people who need it, uh, as opposed to individuals who are who looking to lose five pounds uh, to, to have their, uh, their goal weight for their swimsuits? Right. Um, that's an excellent point that you're making. And so what I would say is if you have five, maybe 10 pounds to lose, these medications may not be appropriate for you. There are criteria that the doctor should be using to rule out um, who is appropriate and who is not. And that's based on the risk factors that you have. If you already have diabetes, if you already have high blood pressure or some other obesity related disease, and obviously you're at higher risk um, and you would do well to have that medication. If you have five to 10 pounds to lose, if it's simply cosmetic and you want to lose a little bit to look better in a, um, a swimsuit or something, obviously that is not a good use of the medication. But I do want to caution people because they will say that uh, the medicine should only be used for diabetes and not for obesity. And that's just simply not true. 
Um, obesity is a disease. There are medications that can treat it. And we really should not further uh, stigmatize or bias people with obesity um, by not providing medications that can work. Uh, so yes, we should prevent people from using it for cosmetic reasons. And really, the doctor should kind of be the gateway keeper for that. Uh, and then the price also stops a lot of people from being able to afford it, unfortunately. So we really do need some political change there as well. Uh, speaking about that, Nelson, again, um, these uh, new drugs have been called highly effective. Uh, yet they're not covered by Medicare and most Medicaid programs. Uh, drugs cost upwards of $1,500 for a month's supply. Uh, are we seeing any potential changes on the horizon federally to be able to cover these drugs for individuals who may be facing chronic obesity or who have chronic illnesses like diabetes? Yes, we are seeing some progress. And I think you put your, put your finger on when you referred to it as a game changer, right? These drugs are, in fact, a game changer for any number of people. But does everyone get to play that game? Is this, you know, is this a game that's locked behind a, a garden wall? Is it the country club of effects, right? This is only a game changer if you're allowed to have access to it. And so we, it goes back to the, the cost burden, the, the access to a primary care physician. All of these determinants are blocking the way. And I always try to apply that equity lens. So when you ask that question, when we think about that, you're right. We have to look at what's happening, where the trends are, where the progress is being made on the federal level. And yes, OPM is sending out letters. They're sending out letters to the federal health plans, letting them know to consider these anti-obesity medications on Medicare and with the, not on Medicare, but with the federal health plans. But we're not seeing that in Medicare. And when I think about that, we talked about the children, but I also think about my grandparents. I think about our aunts, our uncles, the older individuals who are, have paid into the system, who have dealt with this for years and years for any number of the reasons that we've already talked about, that now are relying on Medicare and they won't have access to it. So what is it a game changer for everyone? I, I can't say so. It's only a game changer for those who are already on the court. So, um, so, so in terms of, again, uh, you know, from, a, from a drug standpoint, uh, moving forward, going down this particular path, uh, uh, I'm curious uh, in terms of, you know, what is next? Because cost is cost. If you're talking about spending $1,300 a month and you're having to come out of pocket, I mean, you know, look, you're talking about, you know, $15,000 a year just on the medicine. If you don't have those sort of, do so, sort of dollars, then you're creating uh, a situation where you pretty much have, um, you know, uh, the haves and the have-nots. And as we know, typically when it comes to issue of obesity, those folks who are in the have-not category are the ones who are most impacted by this. Uh, and so you're there in Nashville, Sadrina. You're there in Tennessee. Um, what do you think, uh, again, folks who are watching should be advocating, pushing for when it comes to dealing with uh, this uh, very issue? We should be pushing for um, insurance companies to be able to cover more of these medications because what we're doing right now is creating more of a disparity right now. So we know that almost 50% of African-Americans have or will have obesity, and that's a huge issue. So when we talk about not covering medications, a lot of those same individuals are the individuals that are not being covered. They're not getting access to the medications, and now we're causing even more issues when it comes to increased rates of chronic diseases. So we're, we're really increasing the disparity. We're increasing the gap. So that is what is needed. We really need to push that, that change. Insurance companies have to cover more of these medications for the population. Well, and, and that's one of the things, Michelle, that's always inter interesting to me, where 
if you're an insurance company, you should want to be in the preventative state as opposed to, oh, once you get sick, once, you, once it gets bad, then we'll cover things. I'm going, is it that actually costing you more money? Absolutely. That, that is an, exactly the point. Um, I think many, many of these discussions that I participate in, that is exactly the discussion. And that is the point is that, you know, if you are spending literally billions of dollars are spent in this country treating high blood pressure, heart disease, cancer, all of these things, when honestly, we could reduce the number of dollars that's being spent once people are, are having these illnesses, if we would just treat the root cause. And I think that really it comes down to, Martin, we just have a lot of work to do in terms of really educating the public around what this is and what this isn't. Of, you know, helping people to understand that obesity is a disease, because, you know, we only started that narrative within the last what, five to seven years. It wasn't even declared um, a disease by the AMA until I think something like 2015, 2016. And so that in and of itself is problematic. So we are still battling at the legislative level. We're still battling at the state level. We're batting even uh, people who live with the disease are still battling sometimes to accept that it is a disease and it's not um, because of you have poor willpower or because you're lazy or because you're not, you know, dieting enough or what have you. So I think that changing the narrative around how we see this disease is one of the main keys that we've got to get focused on. And then once we can get people to, to come on board with that, I think that it's it's a little easier to have the conversation to say, listen, this is a disease and you would not deny somebody who comes into your office who has um, diabetes or, you know, they, they have a blockage in their, their heart. You would not deny them care. So why would you do that with someone living with a chronic disease like obesity? But we've got to be able to put pressure on um, the... Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. 
Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. The public and the powers that be and all stakeholders to understand that that's what this is. And so that changes how we approach it, how we deal with it. Treat the root cause. Boy, that's a novel concept. <laughs> That's novel. All right, hold tight. Just, what? Just saying. I understand. Hold tight one second. I got to go to break. We come back. Uh, we'll talk about what next. And so, uh, for all of our uh, uh, specialists here, uh, those who are watching, what do they recommend they do next if they are dealing with obesity, dealing with weight issues, dealing with any of this? Where do they start? What do they do? Um, so that's what I want to hear from each one of our experts when we come back right here on the special edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered, focusing on obesity in black America right here on the Black Star Network. Back in a moment. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, the wealth gap has literally not changed in over 50 years, according to the Federal Reserve. On the next Get Wealthy, I'm excited to chat with Jim Castleberry, CEO of Known Holdings. They have created a platform, an ecosystem to bring resources to Blacks and people of color so they can scale their business. Even though we've had several examples of um, African-Americans and other people of color being able to be successful, we still aren't seeing the mass level of us being lifted up. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Teresa Griffin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, welcome back to the special edition of Roller Martin Unfiltered, dealing with obesity in black America, powered by Novo Nordisk. I certainly want to thank them uh, for partnering with us on this. And so uh, let's deal with the what's, what's next. There's somebody who's watching uh, and they say, OK, I agree with you. You're right. Let's do something about it. I have no idea what to do, do next. And so if we're talking about from an individual standpoint, 
uh, in terms of an individual dealing with this issue themselves? What do they do? But also, I want our experts to talk about, from a public policy standpoint, what is it that they want people to do uh, to begin uh, to impact this issue? Uh, this, is this an issue that uh, voters should be demanding of politicians who are running for local office, state office, and national office to be addressing? We ask these questions when it comes to fentanyl, when it comes to opioids, when it comes to these issues. But how often are you watching a town hall uh, where this issue comes up uh, in that conversation? So, uh, Yolanda, I want to begin with you. Uh, for, for, for either one, public policy-wise or for the individual, uh, where do they start? Somebody is sitting watching or listening right now, and they say, I know I'm obese, I know my BMI is too high, I don't know where to begin. The first thing I would say is recognize that you are not obese, you are dealing with obesity. The second is to look at all the factors that influence how your body processes, metabolizes, and deals with food. So it isn't simply just eating, it's where you in terms of your stress. We know that cortisol increases, it triggers over 1,300 stress responses in the body, resulting in weight gain. You could eat one meal a day and still gain weight. So think about stress, sleep all of the other components that add to the risk of obesity. From a policy standpoint, what I would say for every voter, I'm a mom and that's my most important job, vote like your child's life depends on it. Where is health in every single policy that the person you're about to vote for is manifesting? If health does not show up, in the decision every single time they get ready to either pin legislator, legislation or push it forward, then that's not the person that we should vote for. So, Drina, the point Yolanda just made, uh, and, and I've had this conversation with many of our uh, fitness and diet expert dietitians as well, uh, is that idea of sleep, how the role that it plays uh, when it comes to uh, lowering your rate, excuse me, uh, uh, lowering your weight in terms of being able to get all that under control. Um, and I've had folks who say sleep is, at many, I've had some say sleep is more important than even what you put in your mouth. Now, that doesn't mean you got there and sleep 10 hours and then you eat fast food all day, but, but they said sleep plays such a huge critical role in confronting obesity, and too many Americans uh, are not sleeping enough. Yes, Ron, you're so right. Um, the average American does not get enough sleep. So, you know, our, the requirement for adults is about seven to nine hours a night or a day. Um, sleep is super, yeah, seven to nine. Most people are not getting that. That's, that's just very difficult to get, um, in our busy lives, but sleep does play a role in overall health. We find people that are chronically sleep deficient tend to be at a higher weight. Also, the less sleep you get, it literally changes your hormones. It changes your cortisol level, increases that. Um, it can do things such as make you hungrier, so you may want to eat more food. So sleep is super important when it comes to weight loss. Unfortunately, the average person doesn't realize that, but I agree that if you are someone who know that you are dealing with excess weight, you do want to start off with looking at your lifestyle. Sleep is one big factor that you want to improve upon if you are trying to lose weight. Um, that uh, issue there, uh, Michelle, and so many others. And so, uh, Michelle, for you, you talked about um, surgery, weight coming off. And so, uh, talk about 
the adjustments that you made, let's say before you even had the surgery, uh, adjustments mm -hmm. you made and adjustments you would recommend to someone who's watching right now who says, I don't even know where to begin. Mm -hmm. Well, there's several things I have to tell you. Um, you know, I'm a nurse also. And so even being a nurse, I have to be honest and tell you that along my journey, it, it was a long time into my journey before I even embraced the idea that I was living with a disease called obesity. And there's a couple of important things. You asked some really great questions about what did I do? Because I was somebody who was doing all of the things, okay? I was, you know, watching my, my diet. I was exercising. I was, you know, whatever it was that, that somebody said I could do to try to lose the weight, I was doing it. Here's a key factor that really helped me. I had a healthcare provider who saw me. She saw me and she was able to sit down with me and have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation and tell me, listen, this is far bigger than you are. I'm watching- Oh, I wanna stop you right there. Okay, when you said she saw me, it wasn't that I scheduled a visit. It was that you had a healthcare provider who said, I am going that one, I'm going to talk to you anyway about the issue. And you were listening because we know based upon the stats, too many African-Americans when they have white doctors, that doesn't happen. Was your healthcare provider black? She was not, but it's rare. It was, it's very rare. I, listen, Roland, I was very, very blessed, but she was um, Indian but she was really in tune to me. And I'm sharing that because I think one of the big pieces that we've got to delve into and get dollars to put money into is really educating healthcare providers, right? Because if you trust your provider, you can have compassionate conversations with them. And your healthcare provider, and I said that intentionally, that she saw me. She saw Michelle. And so she knew that I was doing all of the things. And she literally said, I'm begging you. We really need to look at this from a different angle. Would you please look, would you please talk with this, my colleague who happens to be a bariatric surgeon, because I think that you are an excellent candidate because you are doing all of the things. You were and doing so I, all of the right things, but those things were not working. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I also want to bring out the point that if you are someone just like me who's living with obesity and you're doing all of the things, please know that even with surgery or the medications, you still will have to do the things. Obesity is best attacked when you look at it from a mind, body, spirit issue. So managing your stress, taking care of your body, eating well, I mean, feeding your body good things. Those things don't go away. It's not an either or situation. It's a and situation. But I would say that if you're going to your healthcare provider and they're not listening to you, you need to fire them. I will fire a healthcare provider. I have no shame in my game to do that. The reason is, is that you need someone who is going to get you and who's going to work with you in collaboration with you to come up with a comprehensive treatment plan to deal with this disease called obesity. Tiffany? 
Yes. Um, I wanted to add two things. The first thing is that I think absolutely um, obesity is something that needs to be addressed Sure. Locally, we need to elect people who are um, voting with our best interests, who are choosing for us, you know, health and all things. Um, but this also needs to be addressed on a federal level. Uh, and if Medicare Part D, Medicare, Medicaid actually address this and cover these medications, $66 billion over the next 10 years would be saved. So that would be an extraordinary amount of money that would save um, our economy, but also the lives that we're losing at early ages, especially in the Black community, which is um, something near and dear to my heart. So I think that is the first thing I would mention, that you need to write to your legislators, uh, make sure you're choosing people who are in support of um, health care for all. Um, but then the, the second thing is, Michelle hit the nail on the head. I, what, I, what I wrote down earlier was that you need a physician who cares about you, uh, someone who takes obesity seriously, doesn't shame you, doesn't say that you are obese and you're doing it wrong and then you're scared to go to the doctor or scared to get on the scale. You need someone who cares about your best interest. And you're right uh, that often that is a doctor who looks like you, um, who maybe understands what you're going through in life. Sometimes it's not, but often it is. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to say as a mom, uh, I am a mother, uh, and I know for black women, oftentimes we are trying to do too much at one time. We have a lot of stress. Uh, we may not be able to make time for ourselves. So my advice to my patients often is get a journal, try to journal if you can, go for a walk outside in fresh air if you can. Um, but mostly we have to let go of the superwoman, strong black woman stereotype and feel free to rest, get your sleep, control your stress, and then uh, make sure you have a very strong healthcare team. So that is my advice. So. All right. Uh, Nelson, take us home. I have to say that it sounds like the, the previous two speakers are basically just doing plugs for HBCU medical school. So a quick shout out for that. But I will say that I've got two words, both for the personal and for the public policy. On the personal end, the single greatest thing I've ever done in my life was marry my wife, who's a nurse. And she has instilled upon me the importance of extending grace. So for anyone that is struggling with the disease of obesity, because this is in fact a disease, extend grace to yourself to understand that this is a disease. For those around those individuals struggling with that, extend grace to them and extend grace to the system to figure out what is going to work for you. Extend grace. On the public policy front, it's to take a yes and approach, right? Yes and what else? Yes, diet and exercise and metabolics. Yes, we're getting uh, the federal health employee plans or having access to the anti-obesity medications, and Medicare needs it, and insurance coverage needs it. Yes, and until we get to where we need to be and everyone has their best opportunity to achieve their optimal level of health. All right, let me thank uh, Nelson Dunlap, uh, Michelle Tedder, uh, also Yolandra Hancock, uh, Tiffany Bell Washington, as well as uh, Dr. Sadrina Calder. I want to thank all of y'all uh, for being guests. Let me thank uh, Nova Nordisk as well uh, for, uh, for sponsoring this. Folks, this is not the only time we're going to be talking about this uh, because it is an ongoing issue. We've been following uh, the policy battles that have been going on. Uh, in the nation's capital and also across the country as well. And so this would be something that we'll be focusing on on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, plus our other shows as well. This is one of the reasons why when we started off a, health, a Healthy You in 2023, having so many different experts on talking about the issue of what we eat, how we eat, and also getting us moving, getting us not just, not just a lockdown, eating processed foods, eating more fruits and vegetables, but also moving our body, being more active, and yeah, Yes, 
that's still hard, Sadrina, those seven to nine hours, getting more sleep as well. And so, again, Novo Nordisk, we appreciate them uh, partnering with the Black Star Network on this special. Folks, that is it. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Black Star Network. Holla! He makes sure that our stories are told. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Pull up a chair, take your seat, The Black Tape, with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 